This is Bespoke, a podcast exploring the making of bespoke objects and experiences. Devised and hosted by Adriana Pace-Kent. Intrigued by the power of language, Rosalind White is a British artist who loves words. Her practice combines text and textile, abstract mark making, large brush calligraphy and her own specialised technique of writing with a needle. Rosalind stitches commissions for both corporate and private clients around the world. She often creates pieces that commemorate moments or people, transforming humble garments into potent vessels of memory. From a hand-stitched handkerchief celebrating a wedding anniversary to an Edwardian bodice for heritage brand Fortnum & Mason. Today, I'm in her studio on the banks of the River Thames in southwest London to learn more about her incredible artistic practice and trace the unique stories she weaves into her works. I was initially trained as a calligrapher, so very methodical, quite academic, very systematic, um, and that was three years of, as I call, learning to write again, um, with bookbinding as well. So we learnt um, all about the historical forms of different books and documents, and um, it was very thorough because it was hours upon hours of exacting practice. Right. So that was excellent. And then I always felt at the end of that that I had more to say and I hadn't really sort of found my voice. Um, I mean, that's a continual process, but... Um, we just started working with textiles and one of the professors there said, look, why don't you look at the Royal College of Art? Um, so I went along and they kind of looked at me and kind of said, where on earth are you going to fit into this organisation? <laughs> like, I'm exactly who you need because I'm not going to fit in. Isn't that what you want? <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't ever really fit in. That's the truth of it. Um I tried graphics and they were like, why are you still forming letters by hand? Um, but there was one tutor there on textiles. She really understood craft. She really understood the importance of craft. So there I was in the School of Fashion and Textiles in the mixed media course and thrown into this world of design um, and innovation and, and, and the, this perpetual question of what is the relevance what is the relevance of historical letter form? How is it relevant today? And I think that's given me a real, um, I don't know, persistence and thirst to discover, you know, and evolve this craft of calligraphy. So words, they've always been there right from the start, really. Mm. Well, it's so interesting because it's such an interesting context of inquiry that mm. you uh, that you formed with within that context of the of the RCA and I think for many artists isn't that's always kind of as you say why why am I doing this why is this relevant what is this saying can you kind of talk a little bit about the use of garments in your work and how they act as a canvas upon which you can communicate individual stories and human emotion well that goes back to this first concept of writing with a needle which I sort of chanced upon when I was at the Royal College because I had been writing with a, a nib and a brush and a, a broom and, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. And so I kind of thought, well, I wonder if you can write with a needle. So that's where the first concept started. And, of course, with a needle comes this whole other arena of 
artifact and cloth and garment. And and I thought, I thought, well, at some point it's going to have to branch out into that area of garment. And I guess I've always loved fashion. I've always loved cloth. A um, bit like you, you know, I had Italian mama who <laughs> made all of our clothes and who kind of taught us about the importance of putting clothes together and how it feels to dress. And also my grandfather on the other side was a tailor. So I guess it was always going to come through somewhere. So garment, I think garment is like another layer of skin. It says so much about the person who's wearing it, how they wear it, how they fill it. And then historically, you know, from the ground up, the, the way that the cloth was manufactured and made had an importance and a significance. So nothing was ever wasted. It was always recycled and reformed again and again. And just the feel of old cloth, I think, is so alluring, so beautiful. It's a whole other vista, really, for, for play and discovery. Mm. But I guess there are all these memories that are inherently linked, as you say, with cloth and the way we wear it and what we want to say about ourselves at that moment mm. that is an opportunity for you to then kind of unearth and bring to, bring to light again. Mm. I think. Um, and when you first started exploring writing with a needle, were you working on garments at that time or did you work on flat cloth and then evolve or? I think I started in libraries. I spent a lot of time in the British Library, just like, I mean, you know, there they've got this treasure trove of exploration and knowledge and it's a free resource and and it was like where do I start you know so I kind of would spend hours in there and just say mm, I'll have something from there and something from there and you'd sit in the special collection you know because I was able to get a, a pass because I was a calligrapher and these extraordinary artifacts would sort of come towards you and you you realize that each one was such a, a rich document of a moment in time and about that person and that culture. And I wanted to explore that. Um, and the best way that I knew and the simplest way that I knew was with a needle and thread. Mm. So I didn't jump into garments at that stage. I just started with simple calico, the document, and sort of discovering for myself what that phrase meant writing with a needle and I didn't find that in any embroidery books it isn't a form of embroidery it's more a form of artistic expression and exploration of line I guess you're really you know, our handwriting is so personal, it's so expressive as, you know, there are experts who can tell us a huge amount about our personality mm -hmm. from the lines that we choose to shape. Mm -hmm. And I guess with what's incredible is with your calligraphic eye, you're able to unpick those kind of nuances so that you can then render them in a different form, which, as you say, is an artistic translation rather than trying to replicate. Yeah. And something. I think that's been a very intuitive thing, actually. Mm. I didn't plan any of it. <laughs> that's the I, best I way. certainly didn't plan to spend hours <laughs> upon hours stitching. 
But I just kind of, I got hooked. I, I literally got hooked and I got drawn into story as well. And then I sort of, and I guess I'm constantly shifting between, well, you know, what do other cultures think? So going to Japan was absolutely crucial in understanding lettering and communication from another point of view. And that really expanded my understanding in a, in a different way. So it's like, this is a life's work, you know, if you want it to be. Yeah, fantastic. What a wonderful way to spend a life. Um, so I guess moving on to commissioning, mm. what does a commissioning process look like for you? Uh, for me, it always starts with a yes. Okay. I just, yes, let me see if I can do this. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you want me to do that? Okay, so... Um, I think at the very beginning, you have to have a, a willingness to engage and to listen and to really understand really perceptively, you know, what your client wants. And hopefully that person, that client, whether it's a company or a corporation or an individual has done their research and they already like how you think and how you work. That's that's pretty crucial. And then I think it's, um, can I do this? Um, is this a good fit? You, all of that sort of happens at the very early stages of like, is this going to work? Mm. You kind of have a, a gut feeling as to whether it's a good, it's a good working relationship. Mm. Because ultimately, you don't want to waste your time, you don't want to waste the client's time. So each commission is completely different, always, always has been. I guess as an artist, you, you're always excited by those commissions where you just think, wow, I really don't know if I can do that, but I'm going to have a really good go at trying um, because it's pushing you. It's pushing you towards the boundaries of your practice. That's always the thing with the difference I feel between commissioning an artist and perhaps commissioning someone who may work mm. it, as a designer or work in a very specific craft is that an artist you have a process of inquiry that you is that sits behind your work and I guess it's also about you feeling that their opportunity is aligned with your broader process of inquiry I think it's a it's a much more generous kind of connection in that respect that you have to be willing to to welcome their thinking and their ideas and their aspirations into your process yeah. um, and it's how you also can communicate that effectively I imagine with the with a commissioner it can be yeah the more experience you have the more confidence you have to go in and and just say look this is about trust mm -hmm. you know it's like we have to work within this circle of trust <laughs> and we have to kind of leave our sort of our egos out the door really because otherwise you can't let that process evolve and grow and it is a process and it is I think that's the hardest thing to sort of describe to someone that you might start with one idea but that idea changes and evolves and that is so natural and it's such an organic thing to happen and in a certain way, you can't control it. And so it's, it can be very frustrating at times because creativity just doesn't go in a straight line. It's meant to move. It's meant to evolve. It's meant to wake you up a bit. 
what are the challenges for you in taking on a commission, both kind of practically and artistically? It's budget, it's time, it's, um, you know, what I do is a lot of process. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of process involved in it. And so you have to break that down into practical elements. Um, So someone says, okay, we want to tell our story of our heritage brand on this garment. Great. That sounds so easy, doesn't it? But I immediately am thinking practically, how am I going to do that? And what is involved in that? Um, And that's just the practical side of it. And then there's the content of the story and the vision that underpins all of that. And then there's the time, which is like, okay, but we want that in four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I always love it with anything stitch-based. They're like, yeah, can we have that in a month? You're like... So again, there comes the sort of yes, maybe you know, and then the expectations. Um, But I understand that you know my clients they they want that they're working to very tight deadlines. They're under a lot of pressure, Um, and so you know you you say okay, well let's meet and see what is possible, and then again the practical side of like you know, I'm going to need a team. I'm going to need a team of people who are all willing to go on that journey together and commit. That's the other thing. Commit, you know, from the beginning to the end. Because, you know, that as the sort of commissioned artist is what we have to carry. We actually have to carry that. So we're waking up to it. We're going to sleep with it. We're waking up. We're going to sleep. And, and, that is a very real responsibility. Well, it is for me anyway. Moving on to your wonderful project, The Stitch Lives of London. Um, so it's this fantastic textile installation that tells the story of London through historical garments and artefacts. How has this project evolved and developed over time? And what are your future ambitions? So it started with a very simple vision of a modern day Bayou tapestry for London. Because I just thought, well, why hasn't London got one of those? And using the concept of writing with a needle. So bringing together garment and the stories of people. And then stringing that all together on a long, I call it a tapestry. But that's a metaphor for some kind of installation that follows the path and wind of the Thames so that you can walk in and out of it and that let's not just do the history of London first. In the beginning there were the Romans and then, oh, it's so boring. Let's muddle it all up and actually show how we live as Londoners today and how it's constantly changing and it's constantly evolving, and it's brutal, and it's beautiful, and, you know, the whole plethora of life. Mm. And and a garment, what is a garment? It could be a tiny bit of ribbon belonging to, I don't know, um, Florence Nightingale, or it could, it doesn't have to be an iconic person, it could be someone who's journeyed to London or journeyed through London, Um so I've always had that large vision for it. Well, it's incredible because you're kind of capturing moments. It's mm. not about those artificial monuments. It's mm. about those intimate moments mm. which really capture who we are, how we think, how mm. we feel, mm. what our aspirations are mm. in this rich 
community that we all find ourselves in at any given moment. Yeah. Each individual, it strikes me, experiences life differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I suppose as an artist and the work that I've done with Garmin, it's sort of drawing out those elements so that the person recognises it themselves. They might see something about themselves differently or we might sort of catch a glimpse of a historical figure like Shackleton, you know, and sort of think, oh, okay, so he loved poetry and that's what was motivating him across the ice. That's what he was hearing inside of his mind, you know, the the poetry of Browning. That was what was actually motivating him and he was sort of speaking that and breathing it as he walked. (laughs) So it's those tiny little bits of history that might have been lost but which for me brings someone alive mm. moving on another incredible commission the three wearable lab coats that you created for the institute of cancer research could you tell us a little bit more about this project and how you captured the thinking and innovation of leading scientists at the icr so they came to me and they said we want one stitch lab coat and i said okay yeah, we can do that. And then I I always sort of ask the client to sort of let's have a conversation about what it is you actually do. And I want to see what it is you see and what it is you work with and the challenges of your everyday. So I remember at one point the the studio sort of turned into a a chemistry lab. You know, I just like had x-rays I had notes from the labs I had their actual lab coats I said can we actually work with their actual lab coats because it turns out there was more than one lab researching a different aspect of cancer and it's incredibly precise and that really resonated with me with with the stitch as well so having a creative brain your your mind sort of fires off in lots of different directions and i remember at one point saying so can i can i look at your logo can i see the signage and i remember this sign turning up this, <laughs> this metal sign on god they really are taking this <laughs> seriously I love that I love that because you know that's the kind of sincerity that I work with but really it was about telling the story of the stories behind the patients Um, so people who had lived with cancer and survived it families who had lost loved ones to cancer and it was very specifically cancers of unmet need which is this very rare form of cancers, which tragically affects children. So again, there was the sort of the heaviness. I thought, how how on earth can you tell the story of children who've died, mm. you know, without just breaking down, you know, and alienating people? So there's an incredible team there of family relation officers who went to so much care and thought into drawing in those families who they felt wanted to share. Um, So there were, I remember there was a child, his name was Blaze and he was seven and we had like a whole file of his drawings that were just exceptionally beautiful. And, And you sort of put them up on 
on a board and you begin to see a literal sort of tapestry of story unfolding. And then because there was more than one lab, I said, yeah, let's have three lab coats. And from what I understand, from what you've told me is that you're constantly working together, you're communicating together that this Institute of Cancer Research, which is part of the Royal Marsden, is global. Mm. You're sharing information. So let's reflect that within the garments. Let's deconstruct them, take an arm off one and put it on another. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, as an artist, I was sort of so relieved to see that they weren't all white. Mm. There was a blue one. There was, um, because it reflects the different labs. There was one with a red collar. <laughs> a sexy lab coat we love brilliant, that brilliant um, and so I just kind of just played with that idea and deconstructed it and then each person had a, had a sort of little space on the lab coat fantastic so it was bringing all this wonderful dynamic collection of voices and of sharing is that is that kind of mm. um that true collaboration towards a shared objective which yeah. is so inspiring and often not communicated mm. I think mm. from talking to the scientists I mean who are incredibly modest mm. incredibly modest um they what they really wanted and what they aim to connect with is the voice of the patient mm. so by actually putting you know the voice of that patient right on their lab coat they have to engage with that as we do as well. Mm, it's a touchstone, yeah. an emotional touchstone. Yeah. How beautiful. Mm. Um, so how does the commissioning process differ when telling a story through film and working as a calligraphy consultant on set? Mm. Uh, look, I just love film. Um, you know, my dad, my brother are filmmakers, so it's kind of always been in my arena, if you like. I grew up watching black and white films. Um, going to the cinema was a big event. Um, so I think being on a film set is like, oh my God, I get to be a movie star for the day, you know, but actually, no, I've got a job to do. Um, but I, I think genuinely I do understand what is required of an actor. They're trying to get into role and suddenly the director says, well, actually we want you to write with a quill and we want that to look authentic. Um, and, you know, you may think that that's a tiny detail that is not going to get noticed, but actually in the grand scheme of things, it does get noticed mm -hmm. and people are looking at the documents and they are looking at the authenticity of that. So my job is to, you know, facilitate the ease with which the actor picks up the quill and writes and then sometimes to actually be the hand that writes um, and if it's on set, like, I mean, sometimes it's crazy. You're working in a historical house, you know, the whole camera crew shoved down, you know, into with sort of national monuments around you and candles. And it's like, okay, and then you have to sort of put yourself into that tiny space and you've got a camera coming over your shoulder and someone's saying, action! <laughs> it's like, oh! <laughs> You know, and it's like, can I get it right? And then you see the graphic, you know, designer in the corner saying, we've only got four of those. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
anyway, it's all part. I just, it's just fun, you know. And it's, it's actually, I think it's got easier over the years as well. You know, as the graphic designers work with someone like me, and they, they understand the pressures, mm. you know. So, I guess it's just that moment of just kind of breathe, yeah, and flow, <laughs> yeah. Because you know, you're holding that that style in your mind as well. You've practiced that, mm. so it all has to come together. <laughs> in that moment you, you must be able to deal with stress phenomenally well um i guess the last one is what makes a good commission mm. and then the other one which is really fun is what's the most memorable commission you worked on today that's such an unfest uh, you can't ask me that i mean i mean they literally are like children mm. they really really are and each one has been special and has been a thrill actually one as i th i think i said you know once you commit you are 100% committed and 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 you have to allow yourself to sort of you know it's like being an empty pot and just like all of that information coming in and you've no idea how that information is going to come out but you just have to be facing the right way and the serendipity of moments that has just happened you know finding a, a bit in the archive about Churchill that he used to drink a Fortnum and Mason stock cube before he went to bed because he thought that it believed, or he felt that it had some kind of sleeping tonic. It let, made him sleep better or something. And I just found that. like So it's like that. there's always a moment where you just think, really? And, and you feel like you're discovering a piece of information for the first time and you're sharing that. You know, and okay, it might turn me on. It might not turn anyone else off on, but I don't know. That's a but that's when you really get a glimpse into a person. Mm. You know, you can have all the wonderful speeches, you can have everything mm. that's published, but mm. that gives you a real insight mm. into a, an actual person's character. Yeah. Um, and I always think that you know, being an artist is a bit like being a tuning fork. You know, mm. that once you're mm. attuned to a particular vibration, then mm. all of a sudden that resonance mm. is everywhere. And mm. then that's where the layers of connection and opportunity yeah. kind of come together. That's a wonderful way to describe it, actually, because I think sound words are vibrations, um, which goes back to, you know, our humanity, mm. our core. We all have a voice. Mm should use it yeah absolutely well i think that is the most perfect note to end this conversation on so thank you rosalind it's been wonderful talking oh, to no, you my pleasure and hearing all these fabulous stories oh so, thank you thank you thanks this is bespoke